afternoon, listeners. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com. This is Zach Gandra, your host, with the in... Don't call me inevitable in, again. Inevitable? No. Inevitable? Inev- if you knew how to say the word... The inevitable word, Steve Gandra. If you knew how to say the word, you might be able to pull it off. I'm just wondering if you know what it means. <laughs> Dead, dead. If you could uh, see his face right now, uh, people. If you irreplaceable, could see his face. irreplaceable, uncopyable, uncopyable, totally unique. Yep. You know, and sometimes a little frustrating. And your argyle sweater today is yeah, actually pretty, pretty nice pretty as well. Nice. Were you on the golf course this morning? Not this morning. Been when, working. When was the last time you played golf? I wish I could remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Uh, I, maybe no yeah, no you don't no. play much golf anymore do you i've been too busy working is it the walking that you don't want to do it's just you don't want to go up and down the hills of seattle to I play think golf it's the you're o- actually overcoming, busy overcoming the frustration of not practicing enough to have the skills really nailed like i'd like to oh have. there you go yep i think maybe you know what i gave up golfing to shoot guns it was a lot more therapeutic <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to be as good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, not at people, but just at targets. Shoot, target, shoot, that, that's times. nice for our listeners. That, yes, that yes, shot absolutely. Uh, we have a great guest on the show today that we're excited to get into, and I'm actually uh, jumping the gun on that, though, Steve. She's, but uh, uh, she's awesome. Yeah, we're we've been excitedly working with Toyota Marketing USA over the last uh, man, I don't know, few months. Well, almost a year now. Yep, almost a year now. And, um, um, and uh, Liz Gonzalez is one of the finest female leaders I think ever met. One of the one of the finest leaders. Uh, she will get you, get her to tell you about her role at Toyota shortly. But uh, we met Liz as a result of this project with the marketing division at uh, Toyota USA. Uh, uh, Toyota Motor Sales USA is the proper name of the firm. They're the right. subsidiary of the larger Japanese company, but very much a very successful, dynamic company, very famous company, very famous uh, Asian company, Japanese company that's had a presence in the United States for a long, long time. Very and long has time. done an exceptional job of, of pioneering uh, quality and performance and excellence in the marketplace with the products that they produce and market and sell. Absolutely. Well, we're excited to have Liz on. Why don't we welcome her on? Well, thank you both so much. I'm so glad to be able to have this time to talk to you. It, we are too. I, I don't know if it, not everybody knows, but uh, Liz, you, you can t- you can say this. I, Steve might have mentioned to you off the air that he wants to categorize our podcasts and, and really highlight women leaders. Yeah, and women, we've got, we've. Women leaders who rock. Who rock. Yeah. Is, women leaders who rock. Is, I will try to aspire to that. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm trying to get him not to do that because it takes more clicks for people to actually get to the content. So right. I'm I'm looking at the analytic, the analytics of the site. Well, Liz can identify with that because she grew up in the finance and accounting part of. Uh, and now she's in marketing. Yeah, now she's so in marketing. So it's like too many clicks, man. People don't want to click the yeah, buttons. They, they just want to get to the stuff. Can't make them work for it. No, yeah. exactly. So we're excited to have you on the show today, Liz. And uh, Steve's going to start ram going going for a bunch of questions. Okay, fantastic. In your direction. Well, we, we, we just wanted to start. Uh, as I mentioned, um, we asked Liz to be on the show because with her finance and accounting background, she really knows the inside and outside of a right. very complex, very dynamic global company. But uh, I was impressed with her because y- you don't run into too many finance and accounting people who are as dynamic and as effective right. on leading people as Liz is. So Liz, why don't you take a I, Let me throw this out Go there ahead. really really quickly. Like I'm looking at Liz's bio and I'm just like, one of the scariest positions that I've ever seen anyone hold, chief audit executor. Yeah. <laughs> executive. Yeah. Yeah, that is the scariest can, title yeah. ever. <laughs> all, you, you know, all, all you'd have to do is put IRS besides that, and we would all be you know, quivering oh in our boots. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you, go- know, you bring up a really interesting point in that I think oftentimes when you get into parts of the organization that uh, focus more on, uh, I'll call it sort of regulating or holding the mirror up to the organization, Right. Um, you really have to develop a finesse in being able to continue to work with folks to keep that dynamic as constructive as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And so for me, it was some of the best training that, that I ever could have hoped to have received. Um, and being able to kind of uh, hit that right balance and that right tone was, was huge development for me. 
Well, um, I'm just uh, so tickled every time I hear you tell one of your stories on how you've um, actually engage some of the more challenging leaders at Toyota and actually doing whatever is necessary to make a difference in improving their interaction with their employees and their performance accordingly uh, to the point where um, they actually give you permission to tell them what tell them what to do right. and then they then they do and then they do what you ask them to do although it's not at all like them to normally do that yeah that is uh, you know i think i think the trick there is that when you're coming to any interaction with the heart of wanting to understand the other person and really achieve the greatest common good people know that and I think they can tell by the, the way that you're interacting with them, the types of questions that you're asking, and what it is that you're trying to dig at um, that, that helps put them in that space with you. Yeah. And it, it really does require um, maybe taking a few risks, right? There have been a number of times where I've been interacting maybe with somebody, and, you know, I've gotten to a point in the conversation that's sort of tense, and I'll have to reframe it. Right, and and I kind of make a conscious decision about that to to say, you know what, maybe we could take a step back. You know, here's what I see in you. Right, I see somebody um, who has maybe a lot of heart. I see somebody who really believes in this company. I see somebody who spent many many years working, uh, you know, to to build a certain area. And it's really hard when somebody comes in and wants to have, let's say, a discussion with you. Uh, that that may require you to be a little bit vulnerable. Yeah. So, um, look, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to to, to pull you down in any way. Um, and I'm open to the feedback on how I can I can do that better for you. And the whole conversation, and you know, maybe it doesn't exactly get said that way, right? You know, you kind of adjust it for each person, but that's basically the the idea behind it. And it's amazing how you can really kind of take the tension in the room and reduce it quite a bit and get to a really great place. Well, one of the things that I was impressed with just in listening to what you shared with us on your background is that uh, you developed these people skills that as outsiders kind of looking in at Toyota, we've come to admire uh, very much when you were fighting your way through Sarbanes-Oxley being implemented in a global company and all kinds of difficult government regulations and I's to dot and T's to cross, but uh, a whole bunch of people that needed to be engaged in um, getting to the outcomes in a way that wasn't just, you know, do this or you're going to lose your job. Do you guys want to, for the listener's sake, explain what that is, yeah, Sarbanes-Oxley? Tell, tell our listeners which Sarbanes-Oxley Absolutely. So, um... Sarbanes-Oxley was legislation that was passed um, in order to, actually really kind of in the wake of Enron, and a lot of folks remember that, right, where um, the financial reporting for certain companies got so out of whack with reality. Uh, and then, you know, what ended up happening was a lot of the investors were left holding uh, the price tag at the end of that. Mm. And so there was a lot of public outcry, and it was, uh, you know, very well publicized. And it got to the point where, you know, Congress felt that they needed to do something about it. Um, and so I think anytime something that severe happens, there tends to be kind of an initial overreaction, right? And, and there's a lot of sorting through trying to figure out, well, what's the right answer? Like, how do we prevent this from happening again? So, you know, all the accounting firms got hold of Sarbanes-Oxley first, and they invested a lot of time and effort in trying to figure out what this meant. And, um Essentially, what the, you know, if I had to boil the law down to a very simple explanation, it's how do you make sure the controls and processes in the company are in place so that what ends up on the financial statements is correct? Right. Yeah. Um, but that simply said, when you look at a large organization with multiple processes and you know, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of controls that lead up to that final answer being the right one, um, trying to regulate that and and have auditors come in and look at that is a, is a monumental effort, um, especially in any any large you know Fortune 50, Fortune you know corporation, any global corporation. 
And so when we were given the, the, well, internal audit played a huge role in trying to make that happen here at PMS. And, and we played an instrumental role in figuring out what that would look like for the organization. And as an individual faced with an effort that large, you know, it's you know, under times of stress, you kind of revert to maybe your worst behavior, right? Or, yeah. or at least don't, behave, we? don't right. we all, right? Right. Yeah. Um, or at least you revert to the, the to your um, your toolkit of like these are the things that have worked in the past, mm-hmm. right? And for me, that was sort of like a very project oriented view. It was very much of a, okay, I'll make a lot of to do lists and I'll make sure everything's perfect and I'll read all the regulations and I'll just be technically very on point with all of this. And yell at anybody who messes with your list. Right, right, exactly. But yeah, who, who messed up my Excel list? <laughs> um, you know, it was color-coded. Come on, man. <laughs> um, so anyway, so, you know, what I found, though, was that I was losing people in the process. Um, you know, and that was such a, uh, I got such tunnel vision around, you know, trying to manage this. And at some point, you have to realize that a task that big, you cannot do kind of on your own with a to-do list, right? It's a much larger change management effort. There's a much broader group of folks who need to buy in. And even if it means, you just need to find a way to bring them on along for the ride. And so I really needed to change tactics and um, start thinking about you know, how do I start shaking hands and kissing babies a little bit more, <laughs> right? Um, shaking babies and kissing hands. Yeah, shaking babies and kissing hands. Yeah, that, I did that too. <laughs> I did, did, did that a few times too. But what a learning experience. And, um, you know, this involved, you know, uh, building relationships with Japan, building relationships with our auditors all throughout the company, and um, really being open to figuring out how do we take the collective input to come to a right answer. Yeah. Which is a big, a big, big deal. Plus we're going to go into a break right now, but plus crossing the cultural barrier from America to Japan. Sure. Definitely. So maybe we should chat about that a little bit. When we cool. Get back. Great. All right, guys, we're going to a break. You're listening to biz culture matters on clay 1180 AM. We have Liz Gonzalez, Toyota marketing, finance, and administration director. Remember Ross Perot, the Texas millionaire who ran for president in the early 90s? Did you realize that he's built multiple companies that sold for billions? Each of his companies held a strong values-based culture. We interviewed his CFO and COO. His insightful comments on the role of culture in business are posted on the Culture News blog at excellentcultures.com. Take a look. You'll gain wonderful insights to building your own excellent cultures on excellentcultures.com. You can also follow us at XLNT Cultures or Facebook slash Excellent Cultures. Off-the-cuff management is old school at the very least. With culture at the root of every business problem or success, data-driven strategic leadership is where today's best businesses are focused. No one knows that better than Excellent Cultures. After 35 years, they are the Northwest's premier strategic leadership firm. Excellent Cultures has the expertise to read the soul of your business and generate abundance. Take the free BizCulture MRI or ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. As an executive, CEO, or business owner, do you find yourself struggling with work-life balance and achieving your goals at work and home? Are you overwhelmed in your workload and feel important things aren't getting done? Our coaches specialize in helping leaders like you overcome challenges and build a plan to recenter their life, to achieve the balance and success you've always hoped for in your business and your personal life. Ask the experts at Excellent Cultures about the right plan for you. We're back on Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM, talking with Liz Gonzalez of Toyota Motor Sales USA Marketing Division. Uh, for those of you who just joined us, uh, TMS is the acronym for Toyota Motor Sales USA. Toyota Motor Sales USA is the United States 
version of Toyota, subsidiary of the parent company in Japan. And um, Liz has just shared with us some very insightful leadership ideas and insights on how she grew out of a very focused analytical experience implementing the Sarbanes-Oxley guidelines inside of a global Fortune 50 company in a manner that uh, caused her to step outside the box of the X's and O's and the dotting the I's and crossing T's. Is that a good way to describe it, Liz? Sure is. And engage people. And one of the things we wanted her to comment on, you know, from time to time in the work that we do at Excellent Cultures with companies, you know, around the world and especially here in the United States, we run into remarkable leaders who have remarkable insights and skills. And those of you who listen to the show a lot know that our our mission on Biz Culture Matters is to help the good guys win. And uh, good guys are folks who are all about the common good and getting outstanding, excellent business results in the process and through the process of focusing on the common good. Now, so many challenges come up when you're that kind of a person. Uh, Liz was just kind of going into her experience as a woman leader in a male-dominated business and a male-dominated industry in a uh, Japanese male-dominated oriented company, which um, involves all of the above. And, you know, here we've got a dynamic woman leader emerging who is extremely respected and held in very the highest regards of both her male direct reports and followers and colleagues, as well as her boss, who gave her permission to be on this show. So, Liz, t- put on your woman in a male-dominated Japanese culture firm hat and tell us how you do it. You know, as you were running through that, the, I guess the one thing I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about, because I do think it's really relevant, is, uh, you know, my dad's from the Middle East. And my mom was, you know, she grew up in Southern California and was sort of your typical, you know, 60s, 60s California girl, right? And so I can't even imagine two more different cultures. And, uh, but that's how I grew up. And, and actually, in a lot of ways, um, it was an extreme privilege, right? Because uh, you you start to very early on get this idea that, boy, people are really different, but they're, it, it's all good, right? It, it, you can't, it makes it a lot harder to become judgmental because you, you just know that, look, we are all, we are all products of our culture and our, our raising and, our, and the filters that we have. And if you can go into any situation with a certain degree of respect for that, and, and you understand that it's not personal and it's not directed at you. It's just how this person, this is what they bring to the table. It, it all of a sudden puts everything in a much different light. Yeah. Well, also the one thing I've, I, I did not mention is that the automotive industry as a whole is probably the most competitive industry on the planet. So not just a male-dominated society with an Asian uh, culture and background, but a very, very competitive environment, um, you know, surviving in that environment, uh, let alone increasing your uh, leadership qualities and getting promoted has to be something pretty special. You have a secret? Well, you know, I don't, (laughs) it's interesting. You know, I think if there is a secret, right, it's leveraging what you bring to the table that's different and finding a way to demonstrate what the value of the organization is. So, in a way, I guess it's to my advantage to be different, right? Um, I mean, you have to be, um, because it's different, you have to spend a little bit more time demonstrating what the value is. I think that's the secret. Um, because women are essential in the workplace, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I, 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 and I think... If anything, so that your department doesn't look like the Mad Men TV show. Right. If, <laughs> yeah, if only, exactly. If only to do that. It's more than that. It's more than it's that. More than that <laughs> but if only. That. Um, but, no, I think that, that women just bring a different paradigm to the workplace, and it's, and it's a great set of checks and balances when you have everyone bringing 
them right their full selves to work. Yeah. So women, you know, I think we're great at leading from the heart. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. I just uh, I was on a PBS television show talking about culture a week ago. The show will air this spring, and I'll be sure and send you a link. But the uh, host of the show had captured some research on uh, how it's now proven that women make better business decisions in business situations than guys do, uh, just based upon the data and the research. Uh, one of our colleagues, uh, Charles Herrick, has a wonderful book, called The Women in My Office, which is, you know, his research in 17 years and as an IBM executive, uh, identifying, you know, the tremendous business breakthroughs that they were able to achieve because of the contributions of, you know, the women and the women leaders in his office and the perspective and the point of view and the opinion. And as you've said it so well, it's demonstrating the value of your difference, yeah. you know, has made. Yeah. So what 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 is the difference the value of the difference of Liz Gonzalez? You know, I um it's interesting. This is the current role that I'm in. Uh is really the first time in my entire almost 20-year career that I've been on the operations side of things. Before it was always either on the support side through accounting or finance or I was an auditor at PricewaterhouseCoopers before coming to Toyota. And one of the things that I'm finding that I've really been able to bring is what I call a lot of um executive decision support, right, tempered with um, a more consultative approach, right? So I'm not prescribing anything, right? But what I'm saying is I think I have some ways that can help you be even better. And, you know, I think getting folks to be open to it has a lot to do with the delivery, right, and how you come to them and how much you want to include them in the process. So when I say it's not prescriptive, um, that, that's what I mean. Uh, I, I think that that's essential, right, in, in getting the conversation going and in building the relationship. Um, and then I think because I do come from more of an analytical background and being able to kind of use some of the information and forecasting and things like that, you know, one of the things that I saw is, you know, these guys are amazing at the sales aspect of things, and they're amazing at the marketing side of things. Uh, they know what they're doing. Uh, so what it, was, what it was up to me to do was to come in and say, okay, they're doing a lot of things right. How can I help them knock this one out of the ballpark, right? And where can I insert myself there? Um, and how can I maybe show them that, that, you know, I've got some experiences and some skills uh, that could be used in ways that maybe we haven't thought of before. Yeah, and add value yeah. with a different point of view. Yeah, through a different point of view. And, and it's really just about that. That's it. It's like, hey, you know, I've got an idea here. Mm-hmm. If this doesn't work, let's rejigger it. But, um, you know, it's really just been entrenching that piece of it. The other piece, too, that so that was more on the finance side of things. I have um, I have a title that has an ampersand in it. And I always say be careful of, of titles with ampersands because that sort of means and everything else. <laughs> right. But, yeah. But, um, you know, one of the things that ended up happening was I – I ended up with the privilege of being able to help run this Teamworks project that we're working on, which is uh, an effort that we um, embarked on to improve our culture. We're working with excellent cultures to do that. But, you know, it was one of those things that maybe some of the other guys didn't put as high a level of importance on. And I think they needed somebody who was willing to stand up and say, um, you know what, and, and I had a tremendous amount of support from, from my boss as well, so that was wonderful. But, you know, the day-to-day standing there and saying, I'm going to hold the line on this. We're not backing off. We're going to keep going. This is essential. Yeah. You know, we're losing our folks. And, you know, if we really want to be world-class, if we really want to build into being the most amazing marketing department that we can, if we really want to live our principles of, you know, at Toyota, um, our principles are Kaizen, which is like continuous improvement and respect for people. And I said, you know, our people are our biggest asset. So if we can get everybody a little bit more engaged, a little more heart, a little more soul, right, behind their work, just think about where we could be. And that was another piece that I brought to the table. Um, And there have been a lot of people who've been right there with me, but um, that was sort of my, that was my personal crusade, I think, or at least it became mine. And it's a massively necessary position. In every team, there needs to be that person that will speak up and say that and encourage that and bring that to the table. 
I think that's, yeah. yeah. And you have to believe it, right? And, yeah. and, you know, I think for me personally where it comes from is, you know, over a 20-year career, it's easy to get lost in an organization, right, in a corporation. Right. And it's yeah. easy to blame the corporation for that. Right. Right? Nobody lets me, whatever, fill in the blank. Yep. Um, and so people kind of naturally can become kind of disenfranchised. And, and I have to admit that I spent big chunks of my career doing what I call muscling through. Right? Like you get yourself up in the morning, you splash cold water in your face, and you're like, okay, right. I'm going back in. Right. And, um, you know, you kind of live a very to-do-driven life as opposed to my heart's in it and I get to do this. Right. And I finally kind of got to that point where I'm like, look, I want to want to come to work. And I want other people to feel the same way. And we spend way too much time. Any professional, right? Uh, actually, forget it. Anyone who works spends a tremendous amount of time there. And then once you kind of hit that first level of, okay, you're paying your bills, you, you've got to ask the then what question. Right. And for me, that, that, was, the, that was the burning in my heart. That was the, that was the, the impetus. Well, we got to take a break, Liz. But when we come back, that's what we want to talk Cool. On, is how did you make that personal transition? Okay, great. All right, we're on Biz Culture Matters. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and excellentcultures.com. Make sure to plug in with your questions at asktheexperts at excellentcultures.com. We'll be right back. ExcellentCultures.com is always interviewing leaders committed to cultural leadership, excellence, and change. These leaders, like Russell Freeman, Ross Perot's COO, and Bob Hinton, CPA and Moss Adams' managing partner, have world-class ideas. As advocates for creating a strong corporate culture that builds people and serves customers with excellence, they share breakthrough business ideas. Gain insights from Russell, Bob, and others on the Culture News blog at ExcellentCultures.com. Off-the-cuff management is old school at the very least. With culture at the root of every business problem or success, data-driven strategic leadership is where today's best businesses are focused. No one knows that better than Excellent Cultures. After 35 years, they are the Northwest's premier strategic leadership firm. Excellent Cultures has the expertise to read the soul of your business and generate abundance. Take the free BizCulture MRI or ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. Has business taken over your life? Are you living to work or working to live? Stress, broken marriages, neglected relationships, and poor health are symptoms of a life out of balance. The right coaching plan can have transformational impact on the quality of your performance at work, depth of relationships at home, and personal sense of well-being. Ask the experts at Excellent Cultures how coaching can help you maximize your life and optimize your work. Stop struggling to survive. Ask the experts at Excellent Cultures how coaching can help you maximize your life and optimize your work. So right before the break, we're back, by the way, right before the break, uh, Liz Gonzalez from Toyota Marketing, Toyota Motor Sales USA and Toyota Marketing Department USA was just sharing the bootstrap cycle. Can I call it that? Or in sure. your case, the high heel strap? Yeah. The the <laughs> yeah. These are stilettos. Stiletto, the stiletto cycle platform. where you yeah. come into work and you're pulling on, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and you look yourself in the mirror and you slap yourself and go, okay, I'm going to go out and make That's it happen. It. Yeah. Right. How I'm did ready. you, yeah. <laughs> Put me in coke. Which is a horrible way to live yeah. and a very hard way to work and to live. How did, how did you get out of that cycle, Liz? You know, I, you try it. I think you try it well, at least for me personally, I, I tried it the bootstrap way, right? And, you know, as a young person um, getting into the professional world, um, I really sort of bought into this, I don't know, I'll call it a Girl Scout mentality. Like, okay, if, you, if I do all these things, I get a badge, right? And I get to wear it on my shawl and display it for everyone. And, I, you know, I just kind of figured, well, that's kind of how the reward system works, right? You know, and then especially in public accounting, right, you get out there, you work a lot of hours. You get to the top of the chargeability list. Everybody loves you, and, you know, uh, that assures that you're going to be there for the next year. And so you kind of cut your teeth on that professionally, I think. 
Um, it's, it's all about, like, how do I make myself what I think the person above me wants me to be? And you can do that for a while, I guess, but at some point you end up kind of exhausted and empty. Because you, re- you realize, right, at some point that in doing that, you self-edit. And, and what I mean by that is you purposely hold back the pieces of yourself that you think aren't going to kind of connect into that reward system. Right. And then, you know, when people talk about selling out, I think that's what they mean, right? That day where you wake up and you're like, I'm not even me anymore, or I'm only a piece of me, right, depending on how much of that you did. Right. And, and it's not the corporation's fault. It's not. Yeah. It's not. There may have been a reward system that you bought into, or there may have been, but I think, and, you know, I'm so glad that you said that, because I think what ends up happening is, for me, one day, it sort of clicked, and it was this thing. I'm sort of robbing the organization, in a way, Mm. of my full self. Yeah. If I let myself expand and grow, I'll make some mistakes, Right, and I may have a misstep here or there, or I may even find that I'm a complete misfit for the organization. <laughs> right, but either way, I say fabulous. Yeah. Right, Absolutely. because then it's your authentic self really coming through. And then what I have found is that the way that I can feel about my work and the way that I can connect to it and what I can bring to the table when I'm working from that place is at a much more connected, engaged, com- full level. Mm-hmm. My, cre- my creativity has gone up. Uh, my sense of enthusiasm has gone up. My, uh, my connection, my feeling of my connection to the team has gone up. And just what a powerful thing. And when you get a taste of that, right, you want it for everybody. And in the course of my career, like I've done a lot of mentoring and coaching, and it's interesting, I'm not alone. Right? I, I see a lot of people who are really kind of struggling with this issue, and I think part of it is that we've sort of, you know, we've either run into a manager at some point who really infor- reinforced this idea, or, you know, maybe organizations do tend to uh, reward short-term um, objectives, but you just kind of got to reach deep down inside yourself and find that place where you're willing to fight for a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. What's uh, what's really interesting, uh, as you as you know, this show is about building cultures of ethics, values, and employee engagement, and you've just done a phenomenal job of describing your vision of you know culture of ethics, values, and employee engagement from your own personal experience and what it took for you to get to the place. It wasn't a program, it wasn't a Gallup poll, it wasn't a survey. It wasn't a leader holding a gun to your head. It wasn't a bunch of happy, smiling people saying, let's give yeah. each other thumbs up and high fives. <laughs> right. It was Liz going deep in a process of your own self-discovery and self-assessment and deciding, okay, do I just want to you know, get by and go through the motions and slap myself and say, it's time to go back in, I'm ready? Yeah. Uh, or do you want to take the risk of going all in and uh, do it in a way that is all about you and not be concerned or afraid that they're not going to like you and ship you out the back door. Which is ultimately not just all about me, but more for my team and the company. And when you said, I giggled when you said, I could be just a total misfit for the company. Yeah. Which is misfit or just misfit, which is one word. (laughs) (laughs) Which will end up being one way or the other. But I, I think one of the most beautiful things that you said that so many people can gain from hearing from you today was we do, we blame the corporation for taking our souls when we were the ones that gave them our souls. Yeah. And you know, I think I learned that lesson more fully by being in an organization. So, you know, Steve, you were asking me earlier about, you know, gee, it's a male dominant organization and it's a pretty competitive environment and this and that and the other thing. And, I think this lesson might have been harder for me to learn as fully and as deeply and as completely as I did in an organization that was a little bit friendlier and more outgoing. Yeah. So in a way, personally, um, you know how sometimes contrast can, can be such a good teacher? I really learned it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit. I mean, put your coach's hat on for a second. And uh, what you did was just the antithesis of what the Gallup, new Gallup poll is telling us is happening in the workforce. You know, new Gallup poll was released a month ago. 70% disengaged workers in the United States. Not had changed, not one iota of change since two years ago. You know, right. flat, 70% disengaged. Uh, this year, a new statistic, 20% said they hated their jobs. Um, and of those 20%, the most common reason for hating their job was hating their boss. And so we've got all of these disengaged workers. I think uh, Jim Clifton, the CEO of Gallup, estimated the lost productivity to the country's economy is something like $500 billion from these disengaged workers. So we know it's a huge problem. But, and, 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 you know, companies are spending big bucks on Gallup surveys and everything else to study this engagement factor when uh, it sounds like you figured it out for yourself. So now as a leader, uh, how do you go about using what you've learned that, you know, not, you know, helped you step out of the bootstrap phase and slap your face and say, okay, I'm going back in, I'm ready into, you know, I want to give all of me, I'm going to take the risk that they might not like me. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to give all of me for the team and and do do it with all I've got and enjoy it while I'm doing it. How, how can we how can you coach others and what, what can you do as a leader to impact and what do you do as a leader to impact, you know, the lives of the folks that you're leading and the people around you, you know, right there at Toyota to help them get to that same place? Sure. That's a loaded question. Um, so I'm just I'm going to start kind of taking uh, bites of the elephant, and 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 we'll work our way around that as much as possible. You know, I think the number one thing that causes people to disengage is when you are asked to live in a way that is inconsistent with your own personal values. Yeah. And the only way that you can really do that is to kind of stop feeling a little bit, you kind of have to numb up. Right. And unfortunately, I think. In a lot of organizations, either the lack of values or, so without clearly defined values or a clearly defined culture, right, the individual is sort of left to kind of make up what that is based on what they're seeing and what their individual experience is. Um, that's, kind of like, that's kind of like almost an absence of culture or, a, you know, just whoever your boss is or, you know. A culture by default. Culture by default. There you go. It's a great way of saying it. And then, you know, and that culture de- by default is sort of a dog-eat-dog environment, which would leave most people feeling kind of bereft, right? And just, I don't know, just, all right, fine. You know, if it's every man for himself, then great. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot of that going on, and, and a lot of it is just caused by the busyness, right? We have so much busyness, and we're not picky enough about what it is that we're going to choose to work on and not work on. Yeah. And we don't, you know, since our economy is really shifting more toward, you know, the decision worker and the knowledge worker, more than ever, you have to be able to kind of connect to that person's creativity and and you have to have them engaged, and we're not doing that, mm-hmm. right? We're still kind of managing them as though they were making widgets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. And so our, our management style has not shifted. Yeah, so managing workers as though they were machines instead of living, breathing, intellectual, thinking, decision-making yeah. people. I think is a huge, is, is one of those things that we have to catch up with our economy, right? We have to catch up with the way that the workforce is changing. In a lot of ways, we still kind of do things the way we did in the exactly. 50s and 60s, yeah. right? That's huge. Yep. Very hierarchically driven, um, and then and then organizations that invest heavily in the hierarchy, right, by definition, you're telling somebody lower in the hierarchy that they don't matter as much. Right. We need to, okay, we got to take a break. Yep. I've been, I've been counting the seconds to cut you off because I didn't want to. So we just got to continue the thought when we get back. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. Liz Gonzalez from T- Toyota Motor Sales USA. We'll be right back. Remember Ross Perot, the Texas millionaire who ran for president in the early 90s? Did you realize that he's built multiple companies that sold for billions? 
Each of his companies held a strong values-based culture. We interviewed his CFO and COO. His insightful comments on the role of culture in business are posted on the Culture News blog at excellentcultures.com. Take a look. You'll gain wonderful insights to building your own excellent cultures on excellentcultures.com. You can also follow us at XLNT Cultures or Facebook slash Excellent Cultures. Off-the-cuff management is old school at the very least. With culture at the root of every business problem or success, data-driven strategic leadership is where today's best businesses are focused. No one knows that better than Excellent Cultures. After 35 years, they are the Northwest's premier strategic leadership firm. Excellent Cultures has the expertise to read the soul of your business and generate abundance. Take the free BizCulture MRI or ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. As an executive, CEO, or business owner, do you find yourself struggling with work-life balance and achieving your goals at work and home? Are you overwhelmed in your workload and feel important things aren't getting done? Our coaches specialize in helping leaders like you overcome challenges and build a plan to recenter their life, to achieve the balance and success you've always hoped for in your business and your personal life. Ask the experts at Excellent Cultures about the right plan for you. And we're back with Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and with Liz Gonzalez from Toyota Motor Sales USA, Toyota Marketing, Finance, and Administration Director. Liz, your last point when we left off, I wrote down because I thought it was so key, that our management style and leadership has to change with the culture that we're now leading and we're now developing and we're now, we now have gotten to. And uh, the phrase that stuck with me was, was you said, we're, we're managing people as if they're making widgets. And we need to change from that. Do you remember your last the final thought before I cut you off for the commercial break? Uh, yeah. So I think, I think what we were talking about is that, you know, um, organizations that, that overly, I mean, hierarchy has a place. Right. Um, it, it, you know, and, and, and I understand that. And, and I'm not saying that it needs to be overthrown in any way, but... We need to find a way to emotionally level out that hierarchy because I think what happens is we end up telling folks deeper, deeper down that, that totem pole, yeah. hey, you don't matter as much, right? Right? You're just there to kind of run the numbers or you're just there to take the call or you're just, right? Right. And, you know, of course people are going to disengage under those circumstances. Absolutely. Well, you so, can see, you, even in our culture, you can see... The success of TV shows like uh, what is it, Undercover Boss? Oh, right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Secret That's Millionaire. Yep, and Secret Millionaire, and all these different things where where these guys that hierarchy has never engaged people at at lower levels, or at least lower than their next level down. And finally, they're with those people, and I'm, I'll never forget the White Castle episode that I watched one time where. Where the the CEO of the company is now side by side with someone who's making White Castle hamburgers, and he's like, "Well, you're not doing it like the White Castle Bible has told you to do it." And she said, "Yeah, because that would take me twice as long, and they're not as good." Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's it's like this big aha moment for a CEO of wow, the stuff that we've put into place is actually hindering our people, not working at all, and our company, and our profits, yeah. and our you know. Yeah. Completely. And, so, and so there you go. That kind of proves the study that you were just citing, Steve, right? Like, yeah. there you go. $500 billion lost just yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, values are so critical and so important. And uh, as you've mentioned, yet we, a lot of those companies with the low engagement scores uh, have, you know, beautiful God, mom, and apple pie values that are posted all over their websites and all over, you know, their corporate offices. But still disengage workers even though we've got these beautiful values tell us some of your experience around the uh connecting the dots between your own personal values and that which you think is important and that which people think is important and what's going on from the standpoint of the team and the you know corporate entity yeah you know i think one of the you're absolutely right i think most corporations have really the true, the highest ideals. And, you know, nobody, nobody takes the helm of a corporation or builds a business 
with the intent that, boy, I hope one day I just have a bunch of people working here who really hate it. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> and no one sets out to do that. Uh, yet so many of us end up there. And I think what happens is the larger an organization becomes, the easier it is for the translation between kind of the higher level macro value to fall short. Because we don't get clear enough on what that looks like and how we're going to live that. So, um, you know, I'll just, I'll just share an example from, from one of our own examples here at, at Toyota. So one of our values is respect for people. Yep. And it's a beautiful value. It really yep. is. And it, and, it, and it really helps the organization make a lot of the right decisions time and time again. It has served us very, very well. But one of the things that, that folks sometimes complain about is that um, we're not candid enough with each other. Right, And then what happens is sort of maybe people start kind of working around each other. Well, one could argue that the way that that happened was that we didn't want to be kind of confrontational or we didn't want to seem impolite with one another because we have respect for people as a value. And so we don't tell somebody when we disagree with them. Yeah. So then yeah, you get maybe well kind said. of more of a passive-aggressive type of behavior developing. Yeah, very well said. Right? And, and again, I don't think that that was ever intentional, but, we never in, but the, the flip side of that is that we never intentionally said that respect for people means that if you have an alternate viewpoint, there's a way to constructively put that out on the table so that we can all work it through together. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. One of the questions that um, we get asked a lot and was actually asked on the television show the other day uh, is about you know are you know are what who are the bad corporate cultures? I don't think there's any bad corporate cultures. I think there's only naive cor- corporate cultures, because as you said, nobody wakes up in the morning and says my goal today is to make as many of our people hate me as possible. Right. Yeah. Uh, nobody does that. Um, you know, but what happens? There's is, not a parent on the planet that says the same thing. Agreed. Either. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I hope my kids hate me. Like. <laughs> Who wakes up with that? Not even Satan himself, I think, wakes up Probably with that. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but what happens is we get focused on other things, and we start getting pressure, and the quarterly reports come out, and the numbers are here and there, and competitive pressures happen. And then little by little, it kind of starts eroding. Uh, and then pretty soon, what which once was a great value that was lived out in respect for people uh, gets to a place where respect for people means uh, hold back and don't tell them what you really think or how you really feel and don't be candid and then uh, sweep it under the table and then pretty soon uh, one dustpan load gets dumped and then another and another and another and then, then you've got a whole culture full of sneaky corporate politics and you never even realized it was happening. Right. Um, so you're right. It's not that we have leaders who have bad, you know, have have the desire to want to make things bad. Uh, culture just happens, and and if we're if we're naive about it and don't pay attention to it, very much like a healthy body, you know, if you if you don't do the right things to keep your body healthy, and you know, get on the scale and go to the doctor and get your you know cholesterol level checked and monitor the things that drive a healthy body, then it's real easy to just. You know, have a wonderful life, eating lots of cheeseburgers, re- be, be really happy, and wake up one day with a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, right? it was. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. We've got two minutes left, Steve. Do you want to do your – Liz, put your coach's hat yeah, on? Yeah, or? yeah, for sure. Liz, um, in these last two minutes, tell us, you know, what advice you can give, let's say, you know, to women leaders like yourself who are growing up in companies – What's the best advice you can give them of, okay, we, there's a huge new opportunity. You know, we've got disengaged workers, and you, you've proven with yourself that you engaged yourself, and now you're, you're spreading it like wildfire. What advice can you give to other women leaders in this uh, economic climate of disengaged workers that, that can really make a difference? Okay, I would say, number one, Take the time, take the reflective time that you need to be really clear on your values, your personal values. Um, and, and be sure that you give yourself, you know, full permission to live that. Number two, uh, commit to being the kind of coach, mentor, leader that you always wished you had. Um, and even if you have to use negative examples from your past to flip it, 
and figure out what that looks like for the future. Be that person for somebody else. It is so powerful when you can be in that space and reach out to others and see that it's making a difference and know that you're building the future pipeline. Huge. So um, definitely uh, commit to doing that, even if it wasn't done for you. And then um, I think the, the final one, point three, would be don't be afraid to make a change if it's not working for you. So once you're clear on your values and, and, yeah. and you're, you're, you're being that leader that you want to be, if it's not a fit for where you're at or you've got a boss who's holding you back or whatever the case may be, right, um, don't be afraid to make a change yeah. because you owe it to yourself to find that environment that's ripe for the kind of leader that you want to be, that you know that you can be. And it's out there somewhere. It's it out is. there somewhere. The, mo- out the there. money you are making now is not worth the sacrifice you're making internally. It isn't. And I guess yeah. that leads to a fourth point is make sure that you build some cushions so that you have some room in your yeah. life to make some choices. Totally. I didn't always do that, but, you know, hey, learn from my hindsight. Right. Um, and there were plenty of positions that I stayed in way too long because I was more afraid of the devil I didn't know than the one I did. Yeah. And, um, you know, after making some cha- some changes, and I, it is amazing when you're ready how the opportunity will come to meet you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Liz, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate this it. This was awesome. Next time we'll have you share some of your stories because you're also a writer. We'll have you, yeah, uh, okay, your pre-published great. works. That'll be fun. That'd be great. Okay. Steve, anything? Last minute thought? Don't give Just a minute. you got 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Listen to Liz's podcast. Yeah, get it again. Time and time and time. Excellentcultures.com. And, and live those four values that she just shared. That was beautiful. All right. Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. See you next week.